Time has a funny way of feeling to us. 60 seconds in every minute. 60 minutes in every hour and 24 hours in every day. And yet time can feel so slow or so fast depending on what's going on in our lives. That has been true for me of late and it's hard to believe Easter was one week ago. And here we are in Eastertide. I'd like to offer a prayer as we begin the sermon this morning. Let us pray. Lord, today I feel like a used firecracker, a balloon with a hole in it, a dried up pen, an empty can of soda, a worn out shoe, a discarded blob of bubblegum, a crumpled piece of paper. Sometimes I feel worthless and it seems I can't do anything right. So, Lord, please close my mouth when I need to listen. Refill our empty shells with your presence, Lord, and remind us that we're special, if only because when you died on the cross, you did it for us. Recycle us into something that will be used for your glory as you pick us up with your resurrection power along the highway of your promised new life. And so, O risen one, you are the light of every new morning. You are the promise of every new dream. You are the hope in every lowly deed of service. You are the fresh breeze of newfound freedom. You are the beginning. You are the end. You are the beyond. You are all the in-between. We praise you each morning when we rise with you. Amen. Today's world is filled with so many voices. At times it can be hard to know who or what to listen to. And so I suspect many of us take in a little bit from here and a little bit from there and so on and so forth to cobble together something of an understanding of reality and maybe even what we believe. Trying to put it together when all the while it feels like all things can't be put together. We seem to live in a world where anything goes and nothing holds, or so it seems. So what can a preacher like myself say to a congregation searching for direction and coherence in changing times and in a troubled world. When I talk to people, I hear so much discouragement about what's going on in our country and the world, and sometimes people just shake their heads. Simple solutions on the one hand, or throwing in the towel on the other, are not possibilities for those of us who have been given a towel and commissioned to serve. That's what Jesus did. He took a towel and washed the disciples' feet. So what can a preacher say? He can lift up and commend two words of Jesus 
that resonate with relevance above all the other voices of our day. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus uttered these words many times, not just once, but many times. To Peter and Andrew by the Sea of Galilee, he said, follow me. To Levi, the son of Alphaeus, at the seat of customs, he said, follow me. To a balking inquirer, Jesus' words were, let the dead bury the dead and come, follow me. To the rich young ruler, sell what you have, give to the poor and come, follow me. To those in his time and to everyone in all times, he says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. These words of command are plain and personal. They do not bow to position, privilege, or power. They are tall enough and deep enough to guide a church in the most confusing and troubled times. There are several considerations that have moved me these past few months to a new appreciation of these words. First, anyone who says, follow me, is going someplace. And as I said, we need direction. Initially, these words may be unwelcome or even unpleasant to some. I mean, who wants to be following when we can set our own course and be self-directed and independent. The key is that Jesus was clearly on to something and he knew a right path. He had a plan, work to do, a purpose to achieve in history and beyond. And he wants to cut us in on it so that we can be part of it. The word that is translated follow has at its root the Greek word for road, hence the cover design on today's bulletin. To follow is to share the same road. Our prayer is not for a longer stay with God. Some people think that's the goal of life, is to have a long life. Our goal is to have a closer walk with God regardless of how many days we're granted here on earth. And then, anyone who says, follow me, is obviously more interested in the future than in the past. With Jesus, it's not so much where you've been that matters, but where you're going. Not whether we've fallen, but whether we get up again. Not whom you've heard in the past, but whom will you help in the future. So many voices in our time encourage people to go back and dig through their unpleasant past in detail as if that might give magical insight into the future. But knowledge of the past doesn't automatically give initiative to change behavior in the future. Just read through the Gospels and you'll be amazed at how little time Jesus spent allowing people to expand on their burdened Pasts. When the woman caught in adultery was brought before Jesus, 
He did not explore the circumstances to know the juicy details. No. He simply took her by the hand and said, go and sin no more. When Nicodemus, you may remember Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus at night, caught up in all the legalism of Judaism, Jesus didn't ask him how he got that way and how he got so caught up in the tradition. He simply said, you must be born anew. But in our society, there's an incessant need to go into great detail so that the blame can be put somewhere. The parable of the prodigal son may may indeed be the paradigm that indicates how God deals with men and women who have failed. The younger brother squanders everything he's gotten from his inheritance in a far-off country. And he had been reciting what he was going to say to his father, how he was going to ask for his forgiveness and just be like one of the hired hands. He didn't deserve any better. But he had been rehearsing that whole speech of asking for forgiveness and saying how he had failed. Instead, just as he begins to utter the first words of his speech, he's smothered in his father's love. He's smothered in his father's love. He was given a ring, a robe, shoes, and restored to the full status of being his child. For to be penitent is to be forgiven, and to be forgiven is to rise up and follow. Will we, fall, will we fall again? Probably. We don't move on smugly, for our failure never leaves us completely. But we know we are being led by love and light. You've heard me say this more than once, that without our hands, Christ has no hands in the world. And the reason for that is that while Christ does still have hands symbolically, they are now being used in a much larger way. When I think of Christ's hands today, not my hands and our hands, but his hands, one is for pointing the way. And the other is to help us along. Is to help us along on the way. Friends, we are traveling a road on which we may walk with Christ as guide and companion. And on the journey, we are promised that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. So finally, consider the fact that whoever commands us to follow and wins our allegiance has given us a standard by which to test our living. Pastor Jim had... um, This is a quote. Pastor Jim had brought me to a deeper relationship with Christ. He is immeasurably Christ-centered and principled in his commitment to serve people. He's usually last in line to get his food and the first to take care of a chore needing to be done. He seems to overflow with love for people and other living things. I, I saw him speak to a man badly crippled and the man got up and walked away unassisted. Jim, of course, gave the credit to God. I've seen him cup little insects in his hand and tenderly carry them outdoors. And unless I had seen these things firsthand, I would never have believed life could be so hopeful. I came to his church last summer and now have the privilege 
of supervising an innovative cultural enrichment program for children. Such meaning has my life. Now, I want you to hold on to your seats. For in November of 1979, Pat Grunet, who shared that story, drank the cyanide Kool-Aid offered by her pastor, Jim Jones. Became one of the 900 James Jonestown victims. That cult in which she felt Christ-centered in her first encounter had so lost the sense of the vertical dimension of life that the horizontal ravings of a madman took the illusion of spiritual nourishment for her. Christ does not take us in the way a cult would to somehow absorb us so that we have no mind of our own. No, there is always a distance between us and the Lord, between the servant and the one you serve, so that our selfhood, our integrity and uniqueness might be preserved. And we are not called to slavish imitation, but to follow each of us in our own unique and distinctive ways. For there is no time or place or circumstance where one cannot follow if it's integral to who you are created to be. What Christian living is all about, both individually and together, is following. Following Christ. Following. This is the word that needs to guide what we do and say and think. As committee members, council members, trustees, ministry team members, women's fellowship, choirs, ushers, and greeters, and members of the congregation. In this action, this decision, this response, this attitude of such a quality that is moving this church, the neighborhood church, in the direction Jesus is going. We may not always agree on what it means to follow Jesus, but we cannot question the basic presumption that we are here to follow Jesus. And here is where Jesus' call rises above all the other voices of our times. For it doesn't matter whether our action is profitable or popular, whether it's practical or realistic, whether it wins the praise of others and the wider community around us, what matters only and always is whether it can be understood as following Jesus Christ. For many people, for many people, I'm not suggesting for you, for many people their faith is like a big security blanket helping them to feel comfortable in a troubled world. For us, it is a cross which leads inevitably to suffering and self-sacrifice. For whoever would be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Each of our crosses, did you notice it's the possessive 
Each of our crosses will be different depending on our life and our circumstances. Following. To follow Jesus is to have a plan. To follow Jesus is to face and embrace the future. To follow Jesus is to have a guiding light for the journey. Whenever we follow Jesus, new challenges will emerge. Change is inevitable. For when his words, follow me, register deep in our souls, we can choose to die to God and live for self, or die to self and live for God. The kind of loyalty I expect of myself and that I see this congregation offering up to God can be summed up in the words of an obscure figure in the Old Testament by the name of Ittai, who belonged to a foreign country. On a dark day, when many of King David's troops were choosing to desert him, David turned to Ittai and said, in effect, You've got it made at home. Why don't you go back? You have served us well already. But Ittai answered, As the Lord lives and as my Lord the King lives, surely in what place my Lord the King shall be, whether in death or in life, even there will your servant be, 2 Samuel 15, 21. Friends, today, wrapping up our Lenten and Easter sermon series, Following Christ. This technically ends that journey, but my hope and prayer is it will last a lifetime. Yours and mine. Following Christ. Following Christ. And now, a postscript. I'd like to share a few thoughts that I've never preached on before. I suspect, if many of you were honest, you have assumptions and expectations about what a minister is supposed to do and not do, say and not say, and so on. Ever since I began in ministry over 41 years ago, People have had expectations of me. How I should dress. How long my hair should be. When I began to gray, I had a woman in my congregation tell me that I should dye my hair black. <laughs> True story. People have told me how often to call, that I shouldn't talk about money, in the church. I've had people tell me, Pastor, be careful talking about politics in the pulpit, which is code for don't say anything that would disagree with my politics. <laughs> Never mind that the Bible deals with politics and more importantly, with truth and justice all the time. 
Every story written in the Bible, every book in the Bible was written in a political context. We can't separate what we do in the community and world around us from our faith. And for too many people, their politics inform their faith rather than their faith informing their politics. For some, I've been put on a pedestal far too high. Such that when I didn't meet expectations, the fall was far and the disappointment great. And for others, their past experiences with clergy gave them such a low regard that I was behind the eight ball from the get-go and never had a chance. All that is to say, I never could live up to everyone's expectations. So let me tell you why I went into ministry in the first place. Plain and simply, I heard the call of Christ to follow. And I did. That's what I did. Now, when I was young and first beginning, I wanted to please everyone and be loved or at least liked by everyone. And let me tell you, that is an impossibility in the church. It was not humanly possible. So after a few years, I began to re-examine my calling, which was to follow, but apart from this notion of I could do it all and still be loved and everybody's best friend. I affirm I am called to follow Christ, to be faithful to Christ and his teaching. And as such, I am called to love people, not necessarily to have everyone love me. My call is to follow Christ and to draw others to follow Christ. Now, some clergy seek to be popular, gaining the praise and applause of their congregation. My goal has always been to point people beyond myself to God. There's a difference. I can assure you of this. Being faithful and trying to do what is right will not always be popular. And it won't be what people want or desire. Friends, my hope and prayer is that in some small way, my following, inadequate and imperfect as it is, has been helpful to you in your following, in your growing in faithfulness to the one that you follow too, even Jesus Christ, our Lord.